This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is supported by Trustonomy, an original podcast from One Trust. Every good relationship you have, personal or business, it involves trust. But we all know that trust doesn't just happen, right? We've all lost trust in a friend or a brand or a product. Trustonomy is a new podcast that looks at true stories from the past to understand how trust works and what makes it stronger and how to rebuild it when it's broken. Now, you know, I'm a sucker for a good podcast that weaves historical stories and relates it to what's happening today. So I thoroughly enjoyed this Trustonomy episode and recommend that you check that out as well. Search for Trustonomy in your podcast player. We'll also include a link in the show notes. Many thanks to the One Trust team for their support. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security again HackerOne.com slash AI dash safety dash security. This podcast is brought to you in part by Earth Class Mail, making your snail mail as convenient as email. Go to EarthClassMail.com forward slash rocket ship for an exclusive discount. Welcome to the Rocket Ship Podcast. I'm Matt Goldman. And I'm Michael Saka. Today we talked to Jonathan Eppers of Radpad. Um, Matt, what'd you think? I thought this was a great one. He talked a lot about advisors and investors and how to set up the proper relationships with both of them and how they're different. Uh, really about setting expectations so that you can both really benefit from the relationship and have it turn out to be a great deal. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And then we also discussed kind of building a two-sided marketplace was is something that's uh, incredibly common, also incredibly challenging. And they had some really unique ways that they were able to, for them, it's get 
people to list on RadPad um, as well as come and search. So that was really interesting to think about, kind of, or to hear about how that came about. So let's get into it. Rocketship is proudly supported by. So whether you've read Hooked or you've been meaning to read it, we've partnered with Creative Live to bring you this amazing 14-part series taught by Nir Eyal himself. This entire course is dedicated to teaching you how to build habit-forming products. Here's a quick clip from the course. What's the behavior you want to turn into a habit? I want that to be something very concrete, right? A singular action. Uh, go to my website, give me a call. Whatever it is that, that discrete action that you want people to do has to be very concrete, very small, okay? It's not a bunch of behaviors. It's one singular action that we do with little or no conscious thought. How could you not want to dig more into that? Go to creativelive.com forward slash rocket ship and you get 30% off any of the courses that you purchase. Bench is an online bookkeeping service that provides you with tax-ready financial statements from professional bookkeepers. This week, I talked to their manager of client experience, Margaret Gray, about one of her favorite Bench customers. I was talking to a client when I was working on in sales and onboarding him onto our system and he was telling me about his business and he solves snake problems what i mean is like you've got a snake in your garage he solves it that's not something you ever think to build a business around but he's done it we work with really passionate hard-working people that have figured out what they love and are building a life around it and being able to contribute to that is so amazingly rewarding every day. Go to bench.co forward slash rocket ship and get 20% off your first six months today. Wistia is a video hosting platform built specifically for business. If you're using video as a part of your marketing strategy, you need to be able to measure its impact. Wistia is helping over 175,000 businesses do just that with premium video hosting, lead generation tools, and in-depth video analytics. For more about Wistia, visit wistia.com forward slash rocket ship. So Jonathan, tell me a bit about RadPad. Yeah, RadPad is a mobile rental marketplace. And we sort of see ourselves as like pro-renter on the renter side. Um, so renters can come on RadPad today and look through uh, the largest uh, inventory of listings in the country. And uh, it's all based on photos. Um, they can also pay their rent using a credit or debit card to any landlord. So the landlord, your landlord doesn't have to use RadPad in order for, for you to pay them on your credit or debit card. How does that work? What, are you get, delivering a check directly to the landlord? It's magic. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it actually, uh, there's a little bit of magic to it, but uh, from a technical side, yes, we, uh, as a renter, you come on RadPad, you tell us a little bit of information about yourself, where you live, who's your landlord, um, uh, what do you send your send your rent to, and how much your rent is? Just put in your credit debit card, and then we actually send a check to the landlord for you, and then you can track it all the way through. So just like a like a ride sharing service, or you know, if you order from one of the order food from one of the apps, that you kind of track it. You can you can track your rent payment too, so you know where it's at at all times. And so, what would be the advantage for someone over, say, like a bank pay? On RadPad, debit cards are free. Uh, so one of the, one of the advantages of doing it through RadPad is like you have a little more control over it. So you, you can, uh, if you need to change the date that it's sent, um, all that, one of the other big things is that you're actually getting uh, credit for paying, paying your rent through RadPad where on with a bank you don't. So we store a payment history and starting in January, we're actually going to start sending that history to TransUnion. 
Um, so you'll actually get credit for paying your rent on time. Um, and then on, on the credit card side, certainly most landlords don't take credit cards and you can't, you can't pay your rent on a credit card to the bank. So that's one of the other advantages. Ah, nice, nice. Um, so before the call, we talked a bit about kind of advisors and surrounding yourself with smart people and some of the advice you've gotten. This is your second company. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your take on, on, you know, who you surround yourself with and, and why. I think, so. I think when you're building a company, it's really important to surround yourself with people that you really respect, that you know are, are good people and that, that bring something to you that you don't, you're not as good at or you don't know as well. And I'll give you some examples. So like, for example, when we built pay with Radpad, which is the product that allows you to pay your rent on a credit card to a landlord, there, you know, I'd never built a payment product before. And as we built that, we, we learned that there was some, some banks that were very interested in working with us to get to, to potentially partner with us. And so navigating that in sort of the financial industry, there's a lot of regulations, um, could be sort of overwhelming. And obviously, we want to make sure we're doing this within the laws. So we, we've, we uh, uh, brought on an advisor who was one of the founders of MBNA Bank that sold the Bank of America. He's on the board of MasterCard. He's really helped us sort of navigate this whole thing. Uh, and that helps us make a lot less mistakes. Um, it also helps us sort of get in the doors of people that would be really hard to get in the doors with. For example, one of the main people at Bank of America, Capital One, for example. Um, and, and we learn a lot faster. Mm. Um, and I think that when you're building a company, you know, you're not gonna, you don't know, you're not going to know how to do everything. You may think about it all day long, but you're going to need people that can sort of make introductions, that can help you think through problems. I think the key is, is that at the end of the day, like as a founder and entrepreneur, you know your business better than anyone else does. And it's, it's taking people's advice that you respect and sort of not always, always um, rushing to do maybe everything they tell you to do. Because I think at the end of the day, like, you know your business better than anyone else. Absolutely, yeah. Do you, you have kind of an example of when you've gotten maybe really good sound advice, but you knew it just wasn't the right thing for your business? Well, I, yeah, I do. I have a, there's one that I, I think about all the time because when we first started RadPad, one of the things that we're doing much differently than sort of everyone else in our space is like we really are focusing on renters. And if you look at all of our competitors, they've really built products for landlords. And we think that there's a big opportunity on the consumer side, the renter side. And we're renters, so we know, you know, we're really fixing a lot of our own problems. When we first started RadPad, we, we, the first investor we ever pitched was this very, very respected guy who had invested in rent.com. Um, and it did very well from that because rent.com was acquired by eBay for about half a billion dollars. And so this guy had a lot of domain experience, very respected. So we were very excited to meet him and we went in to meet him. He basically called us idiots and said, this will never work. Focusing on renters is a terrible idea. Um, he said, we'll spend a lot of money and time trying to do this and it's just never going to work. And ultimately we, we didn't take his advice. We felt that there was an opportunity to build something big for renters and, and, and it's, it's, it's working quite well for us. Yeah. So, but I will say the one thing about the guy, I really, I respect him a lot, this, this individual. Um, but it really sort of challenged us to think that like, really think, are we making the right call here? Are we thinking through this correct, through this right? Mm, so it kind of gave you the a gut check at least, even though you didn't kind of go along with what he was saying. Yeah, and I think that's also just as important. You need gut checks, or you yeah. need someone to constantly like, challenge your thinking. Because if you don't, 
kind of go unchecked, you can it can lead you down the wrong path. I think. So you have, I mean, um, the advisor that you mentioned has a, a great resume. Um, how did you go about kind of building that relationship so that he could, um, you know, he he was willing to to mentor you and get involved? I think one is like when you build something like really awesome or great, you know, a great product or a company, like it naturally attracts like other great people. Um, and I think like you can't fake that you either have a great product or you don't. And sometimes like, you know, you, you can have a great product before it gets to scale, but if people, but, but if people can see that and recognize that it brings talent to you and great people for us, like for the advisor we were talking about navigating sort of the financial institutions, um, he came from us, he came to us from one of our investors so one of our, our investors who had was talking to you one day about some stuff, he said, hey, I know somebody um, you know, who used to work in banking that you should talk to him. And he described his background. I'm like, yeah, I'd love to talk to him. Set up a phone call. Sort of just like a kind of like a, he asked me some questions about what RadPad was and what we're doing. And I asked him questions about who he is and what he's done. And after the call, he, he's like, you know, I have a place down in Cabo San Lucas. I'm going down there for the weekend. You want to come join me and we'll talk more about this? And so kind of kind of got in a plane, flew down there for the weekend and we talked business and drank margaritas. And <laughs> next thing I knew he was, he's, you know, he's, he's bringing me out to Delaware to meet all the major financial institutions. It was great. Wow. Okay. So he saw the opportunity in you. I think we kind of saw in each other, you know, okay. I mean, he, he probably took a, he, you know, obviously he took a bet on us, but uh, yeah, it's worked out well for both of us. What are, when you're dealing with formal advisors, what are the expectations that you have around what they're going to bring to the company? I think that's really key. Um, you, you, hit, you hit on something, which is like the expectations before you start an official advisorship. One of the things that I've learned from building RadPad is like a lot of people want to be an advisor to us. They, you know, people, people are not shy about emailing me and being like, hey, I'd love to be an advisor for you. And I'm like, who are you? Um, and I think it's actually better to surround yourself with fewer people, but fewer like really great people that bring like really specific like expertise or experience to the company. Versus like broad kind of advisors, um, and so as you, so as you think about that, you know I think it's I think it's important to sort of kind of realize where what you're strong at, what you're not strong at, and if there's parts of your business that maybe you you know you're going to get to in the next couple of months, um, you can be thinking about sort of who those people could be, and it doesn't hurt to like reach out to people. Um, it doesn't hurt to ask your existing network of investors or employees if they know people. And then a lot of it's just having conversations and kind of seeing like who's, who, who can really help you and who's just kind of talking. And do you have any kind of like, um, you know, dating period or trial period when you're, when you're considering bringing someone on as like an advisor? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if I don't, if I, if I don't know them, then it's, it, it's normally several conversations. Okay. Um, so like an introduction conversation with, with each other. Then it's a discussion about like expectations. Um, it, it's, it, then it's kind of going through each of those expectations and talking them through. Um, you can structure advisor agreements differently. I think standard is about two years. Most of mine though are about 12 months. I think, you know, for a startup company, it's really hard to think about having someone on your company for two years, mm. um, especially if you're, if you're looking at them from our, our point of view, which is like they're going to help us over the next six months to a year. So I've done all of our advisor agreements mostly over 12 months. And what does one of those look like when you're looking at a short term and giving up part of the company for that person? How do you settle on a, uh, an amount of equity that seems fair? That's a good question. I think it really comes down to like what they're doing for you. Um, 
so there's standard advisor agreements. If you, you know, I, I'd, I'd recommend working with an attorney to develop this. Um, but the advisors, advisor agreements are pretty simple. They kind of lay out the expectations and responsibilities and sort of um, relationship. And then they, they outline sort of the, the, the compensation. It's typically stock. It's not typically cash. Although some, some advisories can be structured as, as part cash, part stock, or all cash, or all stock. Ours are always done through stock because I think cash is the most important kind of asset a company can have um, initially if they're not making money. So you want to conserve as much cash as you can, not pay advisors. So offering them stock, I think, is the right way to go. Um, it's, it's really just kind of talking uh, to the advisor and kind of figuring out what makes the most sense. For us, what we've done is set aside part of our company in a stock option pool for employees and advisors, and we've set aside part of that pool for just advisors. Um, I think it's for, for, for most advisors, it's a, you know maybe a quarter of a point or less. If it's somebody really good, maybe a little bit more. And you can also structure these two in a way where they're incentivized. Like maybe it starts out at a quarter of a point um, of stock initially based on expectations. And if they meet certain, certain other th- thresholds like to help the company grow, maybe you give them more stock. Interesting. So what's the, uh, like? how often are you meeting with them? Or are they more like an email contact with, hey, can you introduce me to somebody? It's kind of all over the place. And okay. I think one of the things is to like kind of define that at the very beginning, you know, like is this relationship where like it mostly is the entrepreneur telling the advisor how often they think that they need to talk with them or meet with them. Mm. And so like for me, like depending on the advisor, I, you know, I may say like, Hey, I want to be, I want you to be available to me at least twice a month for at least two or three hours. Um, and I'll, if we take the example of the guy from, from on the banking side, like our advisory kind of uh, requirements with him was like he had to be available to help us talk through um, how to, you know, if we're going to talk to the major banks, we've never done that before, helping us kind of brainstorm about how to approach them. How he, he had the, you know, he was responsible for making introductions. He was responsible for coming to us to the, with us, with us to those meetings, um, helping us lead those meetings. He was, he was helping, he was also responsible for follow-ups after the meetings okay. uh, between us and the financial institutions. So we did, we defined all that stuff out. So that way after the meeting, it wasn't like unclear of who's going to kind of keep the ball rolling. Mm, right. And he knew that, that he was on the hook for, for those, which is great. Exactly. Yeah. Very cool. Um, tell me, I, I'm curious, we, we've mentioned these banking institutions. Um, how does that fit? How do those partnerships fit into RadPad? Is that for the payment into the the, um, the landlord? Yeah, it's on, it's on the pay with Radpad side, so the okay. rent payment side. What, what I found really interesting is we were building this out, and we're doing a lot of rent payments through Radpad. It's gotten pretty big in the last 10 months that we've had it. Um, and I think what we're learning is that the financial institutions, the big banks, and the, and the, and the credit card issuers like Visa, American Express, Discover, Capital One, what they're finding is like, how do they, you know, millennials, which tends to be most of our customers, they're not going to banks. You know, when's the last time you were in a bank? Yeah, and, never. And, right? Yeah. And so, you know, we're not using cash anymore for, for very much. We're not writing checks very much anymore. Well, uh, when, we tend to, when we tend to find a financial institution uh, and a credit card right out of college or in college, we tend to stay with them longer. We're not buying homes. We're delaying that later in life. We're not buying cars. We're leasing them or we're using ride-sharing services. You know, we're not – we're living – Millennials are sort of like living in a shared economy. And I think the banks are really concerned about, gosh, how do we reach these people? How do we sell our products and services to them? And Radpad has presented them an opportunity to sort of, to sort of reach those customers. 
um, by helping them solve their problems. For example, security deposits so, uh, when you when you move. It's a very big upfront expense for most renters, and mm. and, and that's and a financial institution could help with that. Um, or potentially offering um, renters who pay the rent through AdPad on a Visa card more perks for doing that. Um, and then people are more likely to maybe use a Visa card to pay their rent, that kind of thing. That's interesting. Yeah. And so, are I mean, I'm just I know not too much, but are you actually helping them finance that down payment? Like when you move in? We're, not, we're not currently doing that, but we uh, ourselves, but we did just partner up with uh, a, a financial institution called Avant. Uh, which makes consumer lending um, uh, for consumers who typically wouldn't go to a bank. So one of the things we're doing is we're allowing Radpad renters to get uh, loans through Avon um, that, are, that are backed by Avon um, at low interest rates. Um, so if a renter you know, doesn't have $4,500 to move into the apartment for a security deposit, Avon can step in and help you. That's uh, so a great idea. We've partnered, with, we've partnered with them. But part of the partnership is also for us to kind of see how do our customers want this? Yep. Is it helping them? And if it does, well then, well then we can grow that with maybe a banking relationship. Interesting. Yeah, that's that's such a great idea, um, and I've never seen anything like it. So, um, tell me a bit about how you guys have grown the marketplace. I mean, there's a lot of people competing um, in kind of the just real estate. How have you guys reached your audiences? I think the first thing is my, I'm a product guy. It's my background. My two other co-founders, one's an engineer and the other one's a designer. The three of us like really complement each other well. And the, and the DNA of our company is like product. And, mm-hmm. and I think one of the ways we've been very successful is we've built a really great product, a uh, really great user experience. And we're, we've been very, we've been, we're iterating on it very quickly. I think our, our, our sort of, our, our being able to build products quickly is, is a competitive advantage that we have over a lot of our competitors Especially the major sort of internet listing services, um, who are more who are more slow, I think, to innovate. Um, so, word of mouth has been a big, big way that we've grown. And we did something really interesting when we first started RadPad. Um, I was driving to work a couple months after we started RadPad from I live in West Hollywood. And I was driving over to Venice, which is about a forty-five minute drive in LA. Even though they're like, it's like a ten-minute walk or or drive usually. If there's no that, traffic. Not traffic, like ten minutes. <laughs> As I'm in my car and thinking about how we're going to get people to use RadPad or get you know get people to know that RadPad exists, I started seeing a lot of uh, for sale signs and properties, mm. um, and I I thought to myself like, wow, like a lot of people drive around looking for apartments, and what if they saw our signs like our and our color is yellow for our brand? And I was like, what if you saw these bright yellow signs that said for rent on them, and you could just open up our app because it's geo based. And pull up the listing right there without even having to search for it and get all the information at your fingertips. And I thought that sign could be an indication of like, hey, this place is for rent. And so what we did is we started putting up signs um, at, at rentals in LA. And then we took it to Chicago, then DC, and then San Francisco. And suddenly we were doing it in 20 cities. And last year, between this year and last year, we've put up over a million for rent signs. Wow. And those signs have given the perception that Rad has like a local company because someone's driving, you know, in Chicago or walking down the street and sees a RadPad sign, they're like, wow, someone put the sign up. They must be local. And so that's really what we want. We want RadPad to feel local. And so when, when someone like lists their house on RadPad, are you sending them that sign and hoping that they put it up? We actually have a team of about uh, 300 or 400 people. It fluctuates depending on how we scale this up and down. Um, and each one of these markets that actually does this for us are independent contractors and people who work a couple hours a week putting up signs that want to make extra money. Okay. Okay. 
And and do the are these in addition to the homeowner sign? So most homeowners um, don't put up a front sign. It's kind of interesting. So our sign is like the only sign in the lawn. Very cool. Very cool. And so how are you getting them to list in the in the first place? Are you doing anything special to to get those inquiries in? That's a really good question. And the way we started this is we we built the renter product. And so we, we, we've always believed that if you can really build and grow demand, supply would come. And which that's typically that's actually counterintuitive to right. most, you start most marketplaces, right? And that's why go back to that original investor who was like, You're crazy. That's where that came from. Okay. <laughs> um, but what but what's special about our marketplace um, is that listings are a commodity. And what I mean by that is like what you'll find on Radpad, you can find on other rental platforms. And and the and the reason why that is most landlords are listing on several platforms. And so what we what we did initially when we first started Radpad is we went and partnered up with the biggest ILSs. These are the rent.coms, apartments.coms, for rents, and said, Hey, give us your listings. We'll put them on our service so that our customers can see them, and then we'll send you guys the leads, and you'll get the leads for free. Mm. And that worked. And so we were able to go around and get sort of all of the people in the industry to give us all their listings to populate RadPad with, with all this listing data. And that helped us quickly become a, a pretty effective marketplace because we have, in most cities that we're in, we have the majority of the inventory on the market. Um, and because of that, all those leads that we're sending out and all those rent payments that we're sending out to landlords has helped us acquire landlords through the product. So landlords are coming and listing directly on the RadPad. Interesting. That's really smart. Um, what are are you prioritizing the RadPad listings versus like the partner listings? Is there any differentiation there? That's a, another really good question. What we what we started with is there was all this listing data, and we were literally getting you know listing data from over hundreds hundred sources, and it would come in, and like some some would. Some of, some, of, some of them would give us Latin longitude for the address. Some of them would give us a physical address. Some of them would give us a price range. So we had to take all this data and sort of standardize it. And so we spent like a good four months building out this data engine that, that it's more than just cleaning up the data. It actually uh, ranks the data based on the quality of the data. And okay. so part of that is based on photos. And then part of it is based on we actually measure and can see the landlord response time. So what we found is that, yes, organic listings, those that list directly on RadPad are, are tend to be much higher quality than our, than our feed partners. And PadRank's algorithm we developed actually ranks those listings for us automatically. And typically, organic listings are ranked higher and thus seen by more renters than, than the feed listings. But you're not, you're right, but you're not actually like weighting them. It's just they're better listings. We, we do weight them in, in the sense that, let's say, like, a landlord comes on RadPad and lists a place, and then the same listing that they put on RadPad comes to one of our partners. The, the organic listing would always get preferenced over the, the feed listing. Okay, okay. Well, um, and then on the other side, um, how have you, you know, people searching for places, did you do, was it SEO or was it advertising that, that kind of got those initial clicks on? And initially, it was like through word of mouth, um, oh. which sounds crazy. I know that doesn't, it's like you can't like try to measure that in the sense we can measure it based on how much we're spending and we can see those downloads and customers versus ones that we're not spending on and where they're coming from. Um, over 60% of all of our um, acquisition is organic word of mouth, which is great. Um, and we're one of the, we're one of the most downloaded rental apps in, in both Android and iOS app stores. 
we, we kind of rank ourselves every day among, amongst our competitors because, as you mentioned, there are a lot of options. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the reasons why we've just been very successful is because we've just built a product that renters really resonate with. And we're really strong. If you look at the cities where we're really strong in L.A., Chicago, D.C., um, getting strong in San Francisco, you'll, what you, there's a common theme, and it's, it's they're very uh, transient cities, meaning there's a lot, lot of people moving in and around the cities a lot. Sure. And so, word of mouth, you know, I see all the time on my Facebook feed people being like, "Hey, I'm moving." You know, any any suggestions, or you see it on Twitter, and and what we love to see is when people jump in and say, "Radpad, use Radpad." Nice, nice. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah. Well. Um, Thank you so much for for coming on here. Where can we uh, kind of keep up with you, and where could we try out Radpad? Yeah, thank you. So you can go to our website. It's uh, on onradpad.com. We're working on getting the domain, the Radpad domain. <laughs> but for right now, it's onradpad.com, and then in both uh, Google App Store and iOS App Store, it's just Radpad. It's one word, Radpad, and then at Radpad on Twitter, and my personal Twitter handler is at Jonathan Eppers. Cool. Well, and we'll link to all that in the show notes. Great. Yeah. Well, yes. thank you so much, and um, you know, hopefully, we'll we'll catch up with you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Rocket Ship Podcast. If you enjoyed it, we have tons of other awesome episodes on our website. Check them out, rocketship.fm. And if you'd like a transcription of this show, we have now partnered with Jot Engine, who does some fantastic transcriptions. So you can go to rocketship.fm and check out this episode's show page, and there'll be a link for the transcription. And if you'd like to get a transcription yourself, go to jotengine.com and sign up. Bro!
Just stay.